Okay, we should be live. We should be live. Mm -hmm. We're live? Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Okay. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You know, this is the last online class for Tough Shin Pei Beis, 57.82. What an interesting year it has been. And we're going to conclude with conceptual walls and barriers. But like a nuance within a nuance, within a nuance. <laughs> I have to tell you that in the yeshivas, they spend a lot of time on these couple of lines of Gemara. This is really a, it's, it's extremely sophisticated stuff with a lot of differentiation, different opinions, different shonim and achronim arguing about this. Here's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to kind of synthesize and simplify. So instead of throwing all the different shitot, all the different opinions at you, I'm going to try to follow Rashi's approach, but I'm going to augment it with other approaches of the other Rishonim. And I'm just going to try to like streamline it so you can actually learn something rather than hear a lot of things. Actually learn something. Now, today's episode in the Gemara, the Sukkah Doorways, follows our previous episode where we learned about the barriers, the walls of the sukkah. And a key takeaway of the previous episode was that not every wall is a literal barrier. Every, not every wall is a literal barrier. Now, this is not unique to the sukkah. This is not unique to the sukkah at all. In fact, in halacha, we have multiple needs for barriers or walls or partitions in which we use a non-literal legal halachic definition. Probably the most famous example is the Eruv. So on Shabbat, we are permitted to carry in a private domain. We are not permitted to carry in a public domain. So how do some people carry in a city like Toronto? They have an Eruv. Now, of course, it should be noted that when you have a biblical public domain, no Eruv in the world is going to change that. But when you have a domain which is non-specific, it's called a Carmelit in the Gemara language, so it's rabbinically proscribed from carrying items. In that case, there is mechanism that can be used, that can be employed to supersede the rabbinic limitations. And this is in general the meaning of the word Eruv. Eruv means a lot of different things in a lot of different situations. For our purposes, Eruv is a rabbinic mechanism that suspends certain rabbinic prohibitions. So there could be an Eruv in place. There's something called an Eruv Tchumen that enables us to walk a further distance in a non-settled or non-urban area on a day like Shabbat or Yom Kippur. Now the truth is that there is a biblical limitation. And the biblical limitation is very, very big. It's the size of the camp, the encampment of the Israelites. That was 600,000 people. It's big. <laughs> but, but rabbinically, it's as small as 2,000 amot. And amot is 18 inches. It's not very large. So the rabbinic prohibition can be extended by virtue of an eruv. And, and then we have something called Eruv Tavshilim. When you have a Yom Tov that is immediately followed by Shabbat, 
and you're allowed to cook on Yom Tov for Yom Tov. But rabbinically, it was prohibited to cook on Shabbat because you're not allowed to cook during a weekday. And if people would cook on Yom Tov for Shabbat, they might come to cook on Yom Tov for a weekday. So the rabbis forbade it, and the rabbis allowed a mechanism to permit it. Once again, that's an Eruv. And then we have the Eruv that most people are familiar with, to turn a Carmelit, which is a domain that is not public by biblical ordination, but proscribed in the same fashion by rabbinic ordination, an Eruv can help us supersede that. So when we talk about these kind of Eruvim, we use non-literal barriers. Barriers we can't see, for the most part. And the most famous non-literal barrier, though it's not the only non-literal barrier, the most famous is what's called Tzurat HaPesach, a doorway. Doorways don't have to be filled. Doorways can be empty. So, for example, if somebody has a yard and the yard is fenced in, and then the gate is open, or even if it's broken off its hinges, it doesn't turn the yard into a public domain. That's a doorway. A doorway doesn't take away the enclosure. Enclosures are entitled to doorways. Now the question is, is a doorway something that requires a lintel across the top so you actually have a full archway? Or is just a doorway, a break in the wall good enough? This is an interesting question. I, I don't want to dwell on it tonight because that's not... And that's not the subject of, of what we're talking about here. We use non-literal doorways with regard to other things. For example, the Torah proscribes the mixing together of certain seeds. Non-kindred seeds cannot be mixed together. They're not allowed to plant them together. Now, biblically, the prohibition is to plant them together in what's called mapoilus yad, literally to make a furrow and to place them in the same furrow together. But rabbinically, you're not allowed to plant them side by side. So if you have a fence in between, you're okay. Because they're not side by side. What if you don't have a fence? What if you have an Eruv? Does that work too? Just a tzuras ha-pesach, a doorway. So if you have it framed in a manner that makes it a doorway, yeah, it does work. And we have a similar concept with regard to the separation of, of a graveyard for making like a, a barrier for a graveyard where a Kohen may go or not go. Typically, a Kohen has to be at least six feet away from a grave. But if there's a fence, the Kohen doesn't have to be six feet away. He can be right there on the side, as long as it doesn't come to touch the area of the grave. But if you create this barrier, then it's actually considered to be a wall. It's a barrier. So the Kohen can be two feet away from the grave. As long as he doesn't stick his hand in, everything's fine. So there's just three examples of where we can use non-literal barriers and, uh, and of course, we're going to be introducing uh, we, uh, uh, the same concept of, of doorways in the sukkah to augment the non-literal barriers we've talked about already. And this, of course, is going to be a big question. Say, okay, one second. This is not unique to the sukkah. It's not unique to the sukkah. But then again, if these doorways comprise a barrier, why do you need walls for a sukkah altogether? You just create a frame. And puts chach on the top. Any any uh, kapola or proverbial chuppah, is, as long as the top is foliage, automatically becomes a sukkah. No, but it actually doesn't. It does not. You need to have some walls for the sukkah. Well, how does that work? 
Why is there a differentiation between the laws of Shabbat and the laws of Sukkah? These are good questions. And we're going to address many of these questions in, in the Gemara that we're going to learn tonight. As I mentioned, in the yeshivas, they make a lot of hair of this Gemara. This is, the, you know, a real yeshiva students can spend anywhere from 12 to 30 or 40 hours going through all the different opinions and combing it through and trying to make sense out of all this. But we're just going to spend an hour. Just going to have a, a nice, like a sweet understanding. Just, of the, just the basics. Just the basics which is not so basic. Now, I'm going to introduce this Gemara to you in one, in one manner, in one approach. There's a, a machloket, if, if what I'm telling you now is fully accurate or not. But let's, for argument's sake and for clarity's sake, this is the way we're going to make it work. I'm giving a lot of prefaces, I'm sorry. I want you to understand the Gemara. So, preface one. In previous episodes, and if you've watched the previous episodes, you'll understand this well. By the way, if you didn't, you should. And then you'll have a good understanding of it. We learned that a sukkah requires some actual or literal walls and then can have a conceptual wall. We had a dispute whether it's three actual walls and one conceptual wall. And the Gemara erred on the side of two actual walls in one conceptual wall. And we said, this is halacha Moshe misinai. This is a special tradition that comes from Moses at Sinai, and it doesn't have to make sense per se. We don't have a, 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 a source in the scripture necessarily, although we had a whole argument of, about how we could possibly source this back to the scripture and the different opinions about how this works, but that the, the concept of whether it's a third or fourth wall that's being talked about was a dispute of how we expound the scripture, of how, of how we delve into and extrapolate the Torah's message from the cryptic words of the actual pasuk of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the Torah. But everybody is in, a, in agreement that there is a wall, a wall, which doesn't have to be literal almost at all. Almost at all. We said that that wall can suffice with a hand's breadth, a tefach. And then, and then in the last week's episode, so we said, okay, so where do you place that? How do you place it? Is it, is it just like, like a continuation? Is it on an angle? Does it have to be like a corner? So we, we talked about, about this idea. And, and then we ended up in the alleyway. And that's where we're going to pick it up from tonight. So in the alleyway, in the first examples of the Gemara, we had an angular plane, an L-shape, right? So we have this, these angular elevations, and the angular elevations require then a, an extension. So for argument's sake, as we learned, if the elevation is on the east side, that's here, and on the south side, so you can have an extension either on the west, a beginning of the west, or the beginning of the north. It's the third side. Okay. Then the Gemara said, so what happens if you have an alleyway? And the alleyway has walls, because it's an alleyway. So you have walls in the alleyway. And I just put schach from wall to wall. Here's my alleyway. And I put schach going from one end to the other. Is that a sukkah? 
it, it has two openings. How many walls does it have? Two. Exactly. It has two walls. How many walls does a sukkah need? Three. Two and a bit. Right? You're correct. You're saying that you know two and a half. Actually, two and a bit. So, is a bit going to do it here? And the Gemara told us something very interesting. Two things. Number one, the tefach has to be an open tefach. And a tefach shaychakas, which we said is like, like the fingers that are loose, not a fist, not fingers that are held tightly together, but fingers that are loose. So it's a little bit bigger. A larger tefach. And the second thing we said is it should be at least three handbreadths away from the, end, the edge of the wall, which means that it's, it's going to be at least four handbreadths that are covered. There's something called lavud, which means that, that those three empty handbreadths are considered to be filled. They're, they're, halachically, they're as if a, the break never happened. There's no fissure whatsoever. And that's, and that's four. And if we have, if we have uh, four, it's most of seven. And seven is the wall of a sukkah. So we have the most of the actual wall of a sukkah. And the Gemara came back and said, hmm, that's interesting. So when you have an L-shape, even a tefach, even a hand's breadth is good enough. And here we need a larger hand's breadth, an open hand's breadth, and we need these three tefachim with a fourth tefach. What's the difference? And the Gemara's answer was very simple. The Gemara's answer was that when you have an L-shape, so at least you have the beginning of an enclosure. That is an enclosure of sorts. But here, when you have a wall on the south and a wall on the north, you don't have any enclosure. You have an alley. So that's why you need more of a wall. That's basically bringing you up to date. And it's, it's necessary to understand this before we move on because we're going to learn, we're in the middle of page Zion Ahmed Aleph, Daf Zion Ahmed Aleph, which is about halfway down the first folio side of the seventh page of Mesechet Sukkah. Rava, the great Talmudic sage, Rava is going to comment on what we just learned. Now, I do have a question here from somebody named Kimberly. She wants to know I'm not sure what that means. The high priest of Petah I know what that is. Tara in Aramaic means door. That is called Tira. Yeah, Tira means door. Okay, I'm not sure what your question is, Kimberly. If it's relating to the Gemara, to the subject, I'll be happy to try and answer it to the best of my ability. By the way, if you're on Facebook, please hop onto YouTube because on YouTube there's a live chat and that way I can, I can look and read and try to answer the questions. So Rava says, and I'm taking the approach that Rava's comment is on the alleyway sukkah, although there is another school of thought that it might be on the L shape too. But I'm taking the approach that this is about the alleyway sukkah. Amar Rava, Rava said, proviso. One second, he said, hold your horses here. Don't, don't think that it's just enough to have that tefach shechakas, that that broad, that open tefach, that open hand's breath, and then a couple of empty tefachim in between, so it's only three, so it's, it's less than three, it's love. No, 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 that's that. You, you also have to have the enon niteres. This sukkah would not be made permissible. Now, the word nitar, niteret, literally means made untied, like, like something which is asur, something which is prohibited, is called tied, like the Arizal says, because you can't elevate it. It's tied up. 
the sparks can't be elevated. You can't eat kosher, non-kosher food, and then elevate the food by studying Torah or doing mitzvahs. It just doesn't work. But in order for something to be elevated, it has to be untied. That's the meaning of mutar. So here we're saying that the sukkah is not niteret. It's not made permissible. It's not untied, meaning untied from its proscribed or deficient state. You haven't, you haven't redeemed it. You haven't released it. In order to release it, in order to make it, to welcome it to the world of sukkahs, it's only going to be niteret. It's only going to be redeemed or released. Bitsurat hapesach. When we have this doorway, this image of a doorway. Now the word tsura literally means an image or a picture. Like in, in Hebrew, an artist who sketches or paints is called a tsayar. Called a tsayar because, or, or when somebody portrays an idea in a colorful way, he's called, he is mitsayer. He's sketching this, this panorama. So the word tsior literally means the figure, creating the figure of, the outline of. So we need what's called a tsuras hapesach. A tsuras hapesach. Hello to Chad from Colorado and Mr. Flanchico, all over from Thornhill. This is very exciting. So, so what does it mean, the, the, the frame of a Pesach? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to give you uh, an example that I think people can relate to in today's day and age. Uh, art has become very suggestive today. What I mean suggestive is we, we don't necessarily sketch things out fully, especially like popular art or in advertising. They'll, they'll sometimes make the, a silhouette or an outline of something. Or sometimes they'll draw only like one side of, of an image. And you kind of know what it is, like logos do this, company logos. You know, uh, the, the, uh, when the iPhone was just starting, they had this silhouette of like somebody dancing, it was called the iMusic or something. Like, it's just sketching things out. So today they sketch things out. We have an outline of something. It, it isn't actually a picture, but you know exactly what it is. Everybody looks at it and knows exactly what it is. You, you have, you know, the, the sketch of a half a tree and people know, they know what that is because it has the image. It, it has a, enough there's an, 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 enough, shall we say, ink on the paper to get the message across. That's called a tsura. So it doesn't have to be fully. It doesn't have to, it's a tsura. It's the image of. It's an outline of. Now, now do, do we need a tsura sapesach that you can affix an actual door to? So the answer is, for the most part, not. For the most part, not. It needs to be which means unless you get Hurricane Fiona or whatever her name is over here, uh, then obviously it's going to be uprooted. But on a regular day, you know, today was a little windy in Toronto. It's even a couple of little rain. That wasn't very much. It wasn't impressive. If, if you're putting up a Tzuras HaPesach that's going to blow over from today's wind, you do not have a Tzuras HaPesach. That's not an Erev. But if you have poles, you don't have to be very strong poles, but poles, and they don't need a lot of diameter. If, if they're made of strong material, they can be fairly thin. If you have poles and they're grounded, well-grounded, and then you put even a fishing string across the top, even a wire, you have a Tzuras HaPesach. By the way, many of the Eruvim today are made in exactly that way. So you have a number of poles, and then you have wires or string across the top. You can't really affix a door. They don't have to fix a door. You need a Tzuras HaPesach. So Rava says, yeah, this alleyway, we have two walls on either side, 
but they're parallel, not perpendicular. And because they're parallel, we don't have an enclosure here. So we're going to create some kind of enclosure, because we know that the third wall doesn't have to be a full barrier. It can be partial. It can be conceptual. There's a special halacha l'moshu misinai. Almost like a big chidush, a big novelty. Wow. <laughs> like it's like, that's an enclosure? That's nothing. That's like a, like a tefach. It's a hand's breadth. So yeah, it's, it's a hand's breadth, but it's a hand's breadth that's positioned in a way that comprises most of what is already considered to be a sukkah wall, which is seven tefachim, fairly small area. And because seven tefachim, which is about this big, comprises a sukkah wall, so you have your tefach and you have your three empty spaces, which is less than three, so it's like as if it's filled, and that makes most of seven tefach, most of a sukkah wall. It's an enclosure. That was a big chiddush. It's like, wow, okay, so that's halacha l'moshe misinah. This, this is what halacha l'moshe misinah is telling us, that we have this, this special law from on high where God said to us in the oral tradition, kindalach, you don't need to make a full-fledged enclosure to fulfill this mitzvah. Sure you should, if you can. But what happens under extenuating circumstances? As I mentioned in the previous episode. What happens? You do the best you could. This suffices. And then, then we push the envelope. And we said not only when it's an L shape, even when it's an alleyway. Okay. Now Rava comes along and Rava says, not so fast. Not so fast. You're going to have your tefach, but it also requires... It also must be in the image of a doorway. Now, what is Rava saying? By the way, we don't, we don't, not only don't we know what Rava is saying in just reading his words now, the Gemara doesn't even know what Rava is saying. The Gemara has three versions as to what Rava might have said. Unfortunately, Rava wasn't around for us to ask anymore. So Rava made this very important teaching, and this teaching is recorded, and now we're trying to knock our brains out and figure out what, what did Rava actually say? And then we'll talk about what the halacha says. Like, what do we do? Because we have a teaching of Rava, and it comes in three, in three shapes. So what's the actual halacha? But first we're going to go through methodically the three versions of Rava's rule so we understand the possibility of, of what he might be saying. Kimberly is saying... The question would be to restore the temple Will the high priest redirect the Egyptian priesthood. Kimberly, I have no clue what you're talking about. So this is beyond my pay grade. I don't know, Egyptian priesthood, we left Mitzrayim like 33 centuries ago. We're not going back. Okay. <laughs> so, so the, right, let's go to Rashi. Let's go to Rashi. That's like the, the smartest way to do this. Go to Rashi says, so, Omar Rava, That's, the, the simple seven words there. But these are like, you know, you need a lot of background to understand these seven words. So Rava says like this, Forgive me, I can't see anymore. Okay. So Rava says, Rashi says, the Eruvin, with regard to Eruvin, and Eruvin is talking about, of course, the, the, the barrier that's made for the Shabbat enclosure, which, which I've discussed already today at, at some length. Omar, so in Mesechet Eruvin, which is the tractate that speaks about this, Omar we say, Hechi domi Pesach. So what does this this image of a door, what does it look like? Like, what does that mean, an image? And the Gemara there, this is on page 11, in Masechet Eruvin says, very simple. 
Konomikan. Vikonomikan. A reed is the literal translation. A pole, a standard, whatever. Like, you know, something that can stand on its own. It's not paper mache. Vikonal gabeim. And there is a reed on the top. So we could be talking about some kind of pole. A pole on either side and a pole across the top. What do you call that image? If I had, let's say, a, a black piece of paper and with white ink, I would draw a line, a line, and another line. Yeah. And you know what? For, but for extra credit, I'll give you lines on the bottom too. Okay, I'll draw lines across the bottom. You look at this and, hmm, what is that? Archway doorway. Archway doorway. There you go. That's a Tzuras HaPesach. That's exactly what we're talking about. Tzuras HaPesach. It has the image of a doorway. Simple. So the Gemara says precisely that. Konamikan vikonamikan. Ikonagabem. That's your image. Does it mean you have to actually affix a door to this? No, you don't have to fix a door to this. I'm sticking to the sukkah. Kimberly, if you have questions about this Gemara and Masechet Sukkah, you're happy. I'll be happy to try to answer them. We're not going to solve the world's problems tonight. So this is what we call a Tzuras HaPesach. And therefore, now that Rashi established that, Vahacha, and here, Ka'oma Rava, Rava is telling us, The tefach, sheshoninu bebraisa, that the tefach we learned about in the braisa, the braisa, of course, is the codicil to the Mishnah, where we had a braisa, you can't argue with the braisa. The braisa told us that halacha l'moyshe mesinai, there's a tradition that goes back to Moses at Sinai, that uh, one tefach is good enough. It works for a third wall. So Rav is saying that this tefach that says, in the Brisa, Shemater Bedoifin Shlishis, that you can push the envelope, if you will, and create a conceptual, almost imaginary, but nonetheless legally binding barrier for the third wall. Any Matir, it's not going to work. It doesn't release it into the world of kosher sukkahs. El Inkain, Aso, Laoso, Tefach, Tzuras HaPesach. That Tefach has to have the image of a doorway. How can a tefach, which is a hand's breadth wide piece of particle board or wood or rubber, whatever it might be, how, a metal, how, how could it be a tzuras ha-pesach? And, and Rashi says, al pnei kol It has to cover the entire facade of the wall of the sukkah. So you're saying, like, what does that mean? Ketzad. Rashi says, great. I, I, I knew you were going to ask that question. How does that look? I'll tell you how it looks. Kono shalchatsi tefach. Take that tefach particle, take that tefach wall, and divide it. So a tefach is four fingers. A chatsi tefach is two fingers. Now you take, this is significant, because typically when we look at the tzuras pesach it can be a very thin line. Now it has to be a little more substantial. It's got to be at least two fingers thick. And 
you'll place another chatzit tefach, konesh or tefach. So we're talking like a like a, like a, 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 a one by three or something. You know, so there's there's some there's a width over there. And then you place the lintel over them. So let's say a two by four. Two by four would be a tefach. It's four. But a two by two would be a chatzit tefach. So you have one by twos. Or two by twos. And one by twos are two by twos. By and large, if they're anchored well into the ground, they could stay there. Or if they're added to your sukkah but doesn't have to be. You could use a very thin but strong reed. You could use a metal pole. But if you can use it for the sukkah, then it has to have that kind of, of coverage. And then we say, And we look at that wall, that whole facade, which is made up of, of, of a, 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 a doorpost, if you will, on either side. And then a lintel across the top. And we say, that whole empty space Hear no evil, see no evil. It's not empty. It's filled. So you talk about it's filled. It's not filled. It is filled. Halachically, it's filled. But I can see through it. You can see through glass too. Glass is a kosher sukkah. Seeing does not the only way to define a reality. That makes it a halachic barrier. Halachically, it's divided. Yeah. Can you walk through it though? Can you walk through it? Can you technically or can you halachically? Halachically. Yes, you can halachically walk through it. But I'm going to tell you that being able to walk through or not able to walk through doesn't comprise whether something is a barrier or not. I'll give you uh, an example of of a modern-day example. Today, you can have electrical, like kind of like a, you can electrify an empty area today. A wireless electrical area where if you go into a certain area, you can get yourself into trouble. They can create an electric current. They have a frame. They can create an electric current, and you're going to get burned going through. But Jake's question is again. Jake's question. Jake's question is. This is a wall. Right. So I wouldn't dream of trying to walk through that. Um, correct. But if there would be an opening in the wall that you could walk through, would it make the wall no longer a wall? No. No. It was. It'll be a wall with an opening. Okay. So you happen to have many openings. Or you can choose your opening. Okay. Think of it as a, like a, like a, soft, a soft opening. Almost it's amorphous. Fence. Could um, be an opening in the fence, even though it's still a fence. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So your sukkah could be a fence. Many poles. Your sukkah could be a fence. Not only many poles, even many strings. If you put strings continuously one across, you taunt strings, rope, continuously one across the other, that could be an enclosure even though you can fit between them. So we don't define the reality of something by whether you can walk through it or not. It's still a door. It's a doorway. You can walk through the doorway. It doesn't make this wide open. Let me put it to you this way. Let me put it to you this way. Suppose that there was a a rule uh, that said no trespassing past this point. Trespassers will be shot, it says at that house in Texas or wherever. People have guns. 
Technically, I think in certain st states in the, in the, of the Union, you could shoot somebody if he trespasses on your property. I'm not sure if you get away with it, but I, 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 it's, as I understand it to be. So if, if there's demarcation, let's say there's a doorway. person, well, I, I saw an empty area, so I walked through it. Yeah, it was not a very smart thing to do because there was a big sign that says trespasses will be shot. And, and you walk through. She said, yeah, but uh, I mean, if you didn't really, really allow me to be there, you should have like uh, locked it up or something. I said, no, there was demarcation. You, you saw there was a barrier there. You decided to go through it. You know, what happens if uh, on the highway they have those, those red cones and you decide, eh, I'm just going through this traffic. Then you find that you drove into a sinkhole maybe, but, uh, <laughs> or maybe not. But the point is that those red Cones legally represent a barrier, a barrier that you're not allowed to go past. And a person could be given a ticket, a very significant ticket, for driving past those red barriers. Even though I say, well, if, uh, if you don't want me to drive, you should have put up a concrete barrier. Well, it doesn't exactly work that way. The law says that these red cones represent a barrier. That happened to me. It happened to you, huh? Put them closer together. I right. Them on, but it was wide enough for my car. I thought I could. I and, and, and what did he say? He said, okay, bye. Really? He let you get away with that. Okay, so he, he like, like, like here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. First of all, it was the officer's discretion to let you get away with that or not. That was his discretion. And, and, and your point to him was it wasn't visible enough, it wasn't, it wasn't clear enough. And maybe it wasn't clear enough. But in theory, he still could have given you a ticket. Absolutely. Because in theory, those red cones, said they, they, it means there's, there's, there's a line here, there's a barrier. So when we talk about barriers, we talk about walls, we talk about limitations, enclosures, we don't have to think in one dimension or even two dimensions. We have to like, be able to think conceptually. There's conceptual realities. Halacha is not governed by our vision, our sense of touch or taste. Say so this kind of tastes kosher. Yeah, it tastes kosher. So, but it's so not kosher. So the lock is according to Moshe Rabbeinu, we have two walls and a tefach, then we, we have, have a sukkah. The discussion above, like everything else should be permissible. If you have the minimum Well, uh, well uh, actually, what we're trying to ascertain now is the minimum. What is the minimum? So Rava came along and said, yeah, and let's say we're talking about the alleyway sukkah, for argument's sake. The alleyway can be a kosher sukkah as long as there's at least a tefach of partition. But now Rava said, yes, a tefach of partition, but not one tefach, not one two-by-four going down. There needs to be a two-by-four divided with a lintel across the top. That's the kind of sukkah that's kosher. So, so we're qualifying. You're right. If it's an alleyway and you have a little wall, isn't that good enough? Yeah. But the question is, what does it have to look like? In our previous episode of the Gemara, what it had to look like was a tefach shaykhakas, which is a little more than a tefach. And according to most opinions, that's a rabbinic addition. So we, we don't go less. And it has to have a space of three tefachim. So it together comprises seven, most of seven. And now Rav is coming along and saying, no, no, no. The tefach we spoke about, and according to this opinion, Rav would be clarifying slash arguing, at least on our previous way of understanding this. He's, 
he's qualifying. He's saying, you need to make sure you understand this. It's not the way you envisioned it previously. Those two, those tfachim, that tefach, that tefach has to be divided in two and it has to have a lintel across the top because only when it forms an image of a doorway, only then is it a legal wall. But when it's just at four inches, that's not good enough. That's like, wow. That's a very, very different way of understanding our third wall in the alley. And again, I'm just, this, is, this is Rashi's opinion, and this is not, not everybody agrees. There's a number of different ways of understanding the words. We're just going, you know, today we're going to keep this simple. We'll do, the, we'll do the kiss method. Keeping it simple, this is how Rashi says it. So that's what Rav is saying. Rav is qualifying. He's not arguing on a b'risa. The b'risa says you need a tefach. Rav says, of course you need a tefach. What he's saying is that the tefach has to be arranged in a manner of a tzuras hapesach. you have a question? That's a very good question and a good point. And the answer is not necessarily because the schach could be a little jagged on the edge. And as long as it would be within three tfachim, it wouldn't actually be resting on those two poles. So here he's saying that those two poles, A, have to have a certain depth, a certain size. B, there has to be something across the top resting on those actual things. I just want to see if we have any questions here. We learned the minimum height, Skippy is saying, uh, last year with the size of the Aron Kodesh and the Golden Cover. Beautiful. Yes, we did. Very good. It's amazing that you remember. We also re- reviewed it at the beginning of this year. Um, what was the sukkah size minimum? Ten tfachim, Skippy. Ten tfachim. That was the whole discussion. The wings of the cherubim, if we measure from the floor, from the top, as if from the lid of the thing, ten tfachim. Okay? All right. So, this is the first version of Rava, as Rashi explains it. And again, I'm keeping it very simple. But I do want to address one basic question. One basic question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address it right here, even though the same question applies in varying ways over the next two versions of Rava's teaching too. If this concept of Tzuras HaPesach works everywhere else without having a Tefach, why... Why, why, why here do we need to have a tefach divided? Like when you make an Eruv, if you have metal poles, which are literally a diameter of a centimeter with a piece of string on the top, that works. That's already a Tzuras pesach, But it wouldn't make it a kosher sukkah. And ostensibly, the whole halacha l'moshem is Sinai was coming to create a leniency. This is a huge leniency to allow for the enclosure of the sukkah, the temporary de- dwelling to fulfill the mitzvah. It's a huge leniency. It's not a leniency. This fits right into the rest of Judaism. Num- number, number one. Number two, what about the other two walls? What about the kosher walls? Why couldn't you make all the walls out of a tzuras pesach I mean, if you're talking tzuras pesach a tzuras pesach is a tzuras pesach A shape of a door, that's a wall. So you're good. And nobody says that a sukkah which can be four poles, a frame, with schach on the top. Nobody says that. You never saw such a sukkah. If you did, it wasn't kosher. So, so how does that work? The, the basic premise is this. The basic premise is that not all halachas are created equal. There's, there's a certain 
halachic definition which is required for barriers that are not meant to be shelters. They're, required, they're meant only to be a barrier. So in Shabbat, it's not actually a shelter. Nobody's taking shelter in Thornhill. It's creating an enclosure. A halachic enclosure and a shelter are not one and the same. When it comes to the sukkah, we need to have what's called the fones nikoris. They have to be noticeable. This is the words of the Teisvis. The Teisvis says these words. They have to be noticeable walls. In other words, it, it, it can't just be a legal, conceptual barrier. There has to be some image of actual shelter. And if there's no actual shelter, then you don't have a sukkah at all. As we mentioned in the previous episode, two walls attached at perpendicular fashion is a shelter of sorts. Like for a, shol- a soldier trying to shield himself, if he's in a corner like that, at least he's sheltered. He's got his back to the corner. He's now looking out to see who's out to get him. He's safe. That's a bit of a shelter. If you're trying to take shelter from a hurricane, being in a small area like that that, that, that can provide you some shelter. It's not like being out in the open. So we said the two walls, that has to be real shelter. It has to be like real walls. And even those walls are con- somewhat conceptual and there's, there's liberties, but, but still there has to be walls. A sukkah without walls is not a sukkah. The two walls have to be kind of real walls. The third wall can be mostly conceptual. But what Rav is saying is that even in that mostly conceptual wall, there still has to be some kind of appearance of a wall or, 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 or a wall that's begun. And if it's less than a tefach, we actually have nothing. So there has to be a tefach. You can divide the tefach. This is a different kind of tzuras pesach This is a, a, a huge leniency for a sukkah because a sukkah actually needs to be an enclosure and it needs to provide not only shelter, but privacy. That's a big deal with the sukkah, privacy. So when we're learning that the, the tzuras pesach paradigm can work for the third wall, as long as you have two real walls or two real slash sukkah walls, but it makes it a minimum for a sukkah, then in that case, the tzuras pesach has to be a little more dense. It still have a little more meat on it. Only when it has a, 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 a little more of an existence, only then can it be a tzuras pesach which makes the sukkah different from everything else. And it has to be so. The, I, I could prove this to you on, on many levels, and this is expressed by, in the words of the Rishonim, and uh, there's a whole thing for Chaim Brisker on this, a whole beautiful, you know, he has a, a beautiful way of framing this, and no pun intended, but that's the simplified version of what we're talking about here is that the sukkah is not like everything else. There's something, there's something more going on over here. Okay, Skippy has a question. Does a sukkah need one or two doors? A sukkah, a sukkah needs no doors, Skippy, technically. Um, although it would be a good idea to get into the sukkah. There's a difference... <laughs> of making the sukkah like the entrance to the mishkan. The mishkan would be a perfect sukkah enclosure, if that's your question. Uh, not a door on one side and a door on the other side. Um, y- you don't have to have doors on, on both sides. Um, most sukkahs tend to have a door, because you want to get into the sukkah. And, and um, as long as you can get in and out of the sukkah, I think you're fine. That's, you don't need to have multiple doors, but you can have multiple doors. And you can have entrance and, and egress from, from different sides. Okay, this like makes sense?
That's version one of Rava's teaching. So Rava's teaching is, Surah Sapesah, the tefach we talked about, is not as previously imagined, as previously conceptualized, but the tefach that we talked about is not like, wait three, less than three tefachim, and put a tefach shechakas, but rather take these two tefachim and set them up as a Surah Sapesah, and put it on either edge of, the, the, of that wall, or the openings of that wall. Okay, you had a question? And now let's take a look at the second version of Rava's teaching. Ikadamri, like I told you to begin with, we're not even sure what Rava says. <laughs> even even when, he, when he says something, we're not sure what he says, but <laughs> we don't even know what he said. So there's another version. And it says like this, Omar Rava, Rava says, Viniteres nami bitsuras apesach. Not that you have to turn the tefach into a tzuras pesach but you have to add to what we talked about in the previous episode, you have to add to that a tzuras pesach in the rest of the empty area. Let's take a look at Rashi. Niteres nami. Mashma. So the intimation here is the tefach sheshoninu. That the tefach that we talked about hainu kidifrishis. This is as we explained it. Exactly the way we explained it earlier. Exactly what we talked about. A tefesh a little less than three tefachim from the edge. However, as Rabbi Simon taught it in, in, in what we learned about in, in our previous episode in the Gemara, Rabbi Simon said that you have to make a stima tefach and you do it at the end of this wall, if you have an extension of a tefach, you're good. Va'asa Rava. And Rava comes along and says, no, 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 and actually it's more than that. Not only do you have to have the extension of the edge of the wall by adding a tefach, but furthermore, if you make the opening of a, the, the, the outline of a doorway at the rest of the wall, with two reeds. It doesn't have to be wide. It doesn't have to have any depth. It doesn't have to have any, just two reeds. And kon agabeim, a reed on the top. Koil el tefach. You put it next to the tefach that we spoke about. And then it makes it kosher. So according to this opinion, in the first version, Rava is modifying He's modifying the tefach. He says, no, no, no. The tefach is not the way you described it before. The tefach has to be divided and it has to be turned into the image of a doorway. According to the second version, whatever we learned prior is just fine. But Rava is adding astringency. Rava is saying, and the rest of the open area has to have a doorway. So that way, it completes the rest of the third wall, conceptually at least. E high. Sorry. Now we have a third opinion. In the third opinion. We're not going to be saying that a person needs, in addition to the teaching of Rabbi Simon, a person needs also a Tzuras HaPesach attached to it. 
In the third opinion, we're going to say... Ikadamni, another opinion is Bitsricha. Sorry. The, the, the second opinion is, the second version is like this. My, my apologies. The second version is, Either it could have the tefach we talked about, or it could have a tzuras pesach One or the other. So Rav is adding a new thing, a new understanding. The Bryce had talked about a tefach, and he says, yeah, tefach works, or, or a tzuras pesach and then ikadamri amarava vetsicha nami tsuras pesach not niteres nami not it works also with tsuras pesach it needs also tsuras pesach the third version is what i said before the, the the third what i said as second is is really the third so that's the three versions let's go over this again the three versions in the first version what we learned previously the tefach has to be situated in divided in half on two ends of the wall with a, a reed across the top. That's what the, the previous image of the tefach, according to Rava, is wrong. It, has, it can use a tefach, but a tefach has to be comprising a tzuras pesach Second version is, yeah, that works. You know what else would work? A tzuras pesach Now you're going to say, uh, what do you mean? Tzuras pesach always works. But as we learned, tzuras pesach does not always work by a sukkah. This is the novelty. Doesn't really spell it out in the Brisa. The Brisa doesn't say it. The Brisa talks about a tefach. Rav is saying, and I'm telling you, that here a tzuras ha-pesach would work just like a tefach will work for the third wall. A tzuras ha-pesach, an image of a door, will work to comprise a third wall as well. And then there's a third version. Where Rav says, and this is what the halacha is actually, that we need to have the tefach and we need to have a tzuras ha-pesach. And it's only both. So Rav is augmenting or adding to what we previously studied. So the Gemara now says, Rab Ashi, who is the next generation of Amoraic sages, Ashkechol Rav Kahana. He chanced on Rav Kahana. I, you know, before we go to Rav Ashi chancing Rav Kahana, I want to just do the, third, the, the Rashi on the third version. So on the, on the, in, the, in the second version, Rashi finishes off, he says, the the oi hai, oi hai machsher. Either it's going to be a tefach or it's going to be a tzuras pesach. In the third version, tzrichanami, not nami ni teres, but tzrichanami. Not it also could be made kosher, also could be released into the world of sukkahs. But in order for it to be released into the world of sukkah, it also needs this extra element. So Rashi says, mashma the travayu bi'inan. Both are necessary. Tefach etzl hayoitzei. There needs to be at the end of the wall. There needs to be a tefach. Vekone bezovis shekenegdei. And then there has to be another reed in addition to the tefach on the right side. On the left side, there has to be a reed. And guess what? Vekone shalgabeim. And then there has to be a reed on 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 both. So you have. A, per- a perpendicular wall that goes on the east and on the south. 
So you want to create a wall on the north or on the west. So what are you going to do? You're going to make a tefach. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm, let, let's go back to our, the alleyway. Because there is an opinion. The Me'iri and others say that it's talking about the perpendicular walls too. But let's, let's keep it simple. With the, with the, with the, so we have two parallel walls. We have an alleyway. And you want to create a third wall. So we learned, okay, no problem. You've got to make a tefach. But the tefach has to be near the end of one, near one end, but within three tefachim of that one end. And, and that's good enough. So Rava said, yeah, it's good enough, provided that you'll be able to set up a reed at the other side, the other pole of, of the alleyway, and put a reed across the top. If you do that, then you're in good shape. Otherwise, you don't have a kosher sukkah. So the konish al gabeim has to be, that's what essentially allows the sukkah wall to be fully expansive. You have what we call the beginnings of a wall. But in order to make that an actual wall, to make it considered an enclosure, it has to have something upon which to express itself. It has to have a frame. And then you imagine the frame to be filled, but there has to be something that frames it. When you have a frame, you can conceptually fill it in. When you have a beginning of a wall, it doesn't conceptually go to the end. Because where does it go to? But if you frame something, now it's contained within that frame, it's a doorway, that makes sense. So the Gemara says that Ravashi came to Rav Kahana and he saw the Ka'ovid Tefach Shoichek. He was making this Tefach, this open Tefach. And then he saw that Rav Kahana was preparing a sukkah. I guess he came there before Sukkot. And he saw Ka'ovid Surah HaPesach. And then at the other side of his alley, he was building a doorway, the outlines of a doorway. So Omar Lay, Rav Ashi said, Rav Kahana, mar Rava? Do you not follow the opinion of Rava? That Rava says, it would be good enough? So he says, the Amar Rava niteres nami HaPesach. He invokes the second version. He says, Rava said one or the other. Either you have a tefach or you have a tzuras pesach And you're doing both. He says, I know, I do follow Rava. But my version of Rava is not your version of Rava. I know, ki idoch lishna de Rava. I follow the other version of Rava. At Svira Li, the Amar Rava. I believe that Rava's real teaching was, v'tzricha nami. Not niteret nami. Not, here's another way to do it. But rather, you need also, Tzudas HaPesach, Tzricha Nami. And we can see over here that he's making a Tefach Shoichik, which follows the opinion, as Rashi says, of Rav Simon. And he says, I don't believe that uh, it, 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 it makes it permissible one way or the other. I believe it makes it permissible with both. And since this is the way Rav Kahana understood and implemented the Halacha, and we know that Halacha becomes really prominent and important when it's actuated, when it's followed upon, not just talked about in theory. So since Rav Kahana actually built a sukkah that way, this is the Allah and Shulchan Aruch. So if you make an alleyway, you've got to make sure you have a Tzuras HaPesach. And if you have a Tzuras HaPesach, you're good. Now, but you, were, you were correct in saying that most often, a sukkah anyway has a Tzuras HaPesach. That's true. Because most sukkot will be built in a manner of a frame in which you put schach on top. I'm just saying it doesn't always have to be that way. It doesn't always have to be quite that way, so we'd have to make sure that we actually have a Tzuras HaPesach. And now you know.
So now we have, we have kind of continued to push this forward and have a better understanding of the conceptual walls of the sukkah. Last, in a previous episode, we talked about the break in the wall. Now we're talking about the doorway. The doorway, what kind of doorway do we need? And in the end, the upshot is defer an alleyway. That's certainly the case, although we follow the approach that even when you have two perpendicular walls, you still need a bit of a tzudas ha-pesach in order to make that a proper sukkah. Can you have additional walls? Can you have, can you have a, a, no, no. You can have as many walls as you want. So if you have many, many little walls that together comprise, the interesting discussion, which we're going to get to later on in the Masechet, is if you know the size of a sukkah, that square, how would you fit that square footage into a round sukkah? Ah, and that's where it gets interesting. That's, of course, a, that's a mathematical equation called pi. So the Teisvis talks about the mathematical equation called pi. And if you learn the Teisvis, you have to know math, because you have to know pi. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, doesn't have to have four. Doesn't have to have four. You know, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. The Arizal would make a point of eating his meals on Shabbat and Yom Tov, and especially on Pesach, at a table with four legs. Mm-hmm. Even though a table could have today one leg or three legs, you know, there are all kinds of tables today. So why would he do that? Because the Arizal believed that the Shabbat table becomes the image of the shulchan in the mishkan. Mm-hmm. And therefore, he would want to sit at a table that has four legs, so it would have that, that image. But it was only on Shabbat. The pedestal tables are fine, he said, a whole week. But on Shabbat, I want to have it in that way. This is interesting because the challah is made also of different pieces of dough. It's braided together. Mm-hmm. If you have a six braid, two of them together represents 12 showbreads. So the reason I had this teaching about making dafka sitting at a table. I don't know that our rabbeim specifically or necessarily f- followed this or it didn't. I mean, the, the table with the Rebbe with Fabreng on Shabbos did not have four legs. It was like a, it was like a desk, actually, with the Rebbe with Fabreng. But at any rate, there's, there's like a, sort of like a cube at the, at the table. But it's, it's just interesting. So why, why, am I, why am I sharing that with you? You said something that kind of jogged my mind. Oh, you have more walls. So, right, right. So, so I never, ever saw that, that uh, there's an emphasis on having four walls on a sukkah I saw that there is an emphasis on having full enclosure in a sukkah. Oh. So if you make the enclosure round, so be it. But ideally, we should have it full enclosure. And why do we want to have full enclosure ideally? Because the sukkah, there's a concept of privacy in the sukkah. And we want to be able to achieve. Now, by the way, that doesn't preclude windows. It just means walls on all four sides. It doesn't preclude doorways. It just means that this, what we learn about here, about a fourth wall that is not extant altogether, and a third wall that could comprise even just a small bit of a wall, that that wall, that kula, that leniency, is not the lechatchilu thing necessarily to do. We try, Hasidim try to have a fully enclosed sukkah. But it doesn't, ha- it doesn't I mean, it's fully kosher with, without it. If you, have, if you have two walls and a bit, it works too. Could you touch again on Amrita Geshem Rizatal? It talked about the... Numerology and the mitzvahs. Do, I talked about I talked about the the pasuk that we invoked. Right, right. Zerem is is a is a rainstorm, and it's uh, two forty seven, mm-hmm. and motor is rainfall, and it's two forty nine. But how many positive mitzvahs are there? Two forty eight. Right. So there's this idea. The Rebbe uh, once taught that the sukkah gives us protection from inclement weather, so to speak. 
And the inclement spiritual weather is when people try to add or subtract, take off. And that, uh, that's basically the story of the extra wall. An igloo. If you would, if you would shave the, the ceiling off or the top off an igloo, and, and you would put uh, a wood frame on top, and then you would put schach, that would be a fully kosher sukkah. Probably a very cold sukkah, but it would be a fully kosher sukkah. Yes, or you take a, a TP or whatever else like that, and you did it, that would work just fine. A Jewish Eskimo. <laughs> who, who knew there were Sukkot and none of it? All right, thank you for joining us. Seid gesund und stark. And with Hashem's help, we'll be back.